Christians that pray for her. Yesterday when we came through Toledo, there was a poster of a missing girl. She lives on the east side of Toledo has been missing for two days. I don't know Toledo, but the woman who at the counter was saying, well, I don't know. People don't care because she's east side. I said, honey, Jesus cares. I said, we're going to pray for her. Amen. Don't worry about people. You know what I'm saying? You know, sometimes we carry our own burdens in the situation instead of taking them to the Lord. So I assured her that we would pray. Her name is Serena, so we're going to pray for her. And we're going to pray for our Jackie McCarthy, who is a little symptomatic, we will say. Amen. So we're going to pray for that to be lifted off of her immediately. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you. We come to your throne. We ask you to forgive our sins, Father. We Always want to acknowledge the power of the blood that brings us to your throne and assures us that we can have the petitions that we're asking for. So we pray for Serena and we thank you, Lord, that she will be found not many days hence. In the name of Jesus, we don't care where she's from. She belongs to you. We put her over in your care right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you to find her and return her to her family intact nothing missing nothing broken we pray for jackie and we thank you for healing jackie lord we thank you she is healed satan we break your power over her mind and her body in the name of jesus loose her soul from any thoughts of sickness we thank you lord from healing her in jesus name amen and praise god amen amen and amen again amen uh, so I saw yesterday, I saw some marvelous pictures on Facebook, the Dillard family in thug life. Amen. <laughs> poppy, you look so poppy. I mean, I thought, is that Howard? Is that the guy that does our video and sound? <laughs> See, when you get over on the east side of Cleveland, you got to go east side. Amen. So that's a way east side. But uh, anyway, thank you for sharing that. We have been praying for his cousin, Van. Uh, Van went on to be with the Lord, and he knew uh, where he was going, and he accepted Christ. And that's the most important thing. you got to know that. We want people healed. They want to be healed. And sometimes the prospect of, of the recovery is kind of pressing to people. You know, you just don't ever know, and you don't know what they've already settled between them and God, except that we know that he confessed Christ and and, uh, was ministered to, actually, after he had become ill. And so so (laughs) I went in to pray for him and grilled him again. You know what I'm saying? You just get reassured about these things because it's important both to them and to God, and he longed to see his daughter again. Amen. And so we just respect that, and we thank God for his life and for the joy that he brought to his family, the happiness, contentment, and uh, all of those things we're thankful for. Amen. Thankful for a life well lived. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So we're going to go into our teaching. Amen. Father, thank you for opening up our eyes, opening up our ears, giving us ears to hear, eyes to see. Thank you, Father, for all of the things that you are bestowing upon us, your church. We stand ready to receive what you have for us at all times. So we thank you and honor you. We give you this time that we might listen and hear what you have to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So uh, we're going to talk about this being the age of revelation. The age that we're living in now is the age of revelation. 
there have been different ages uh, throughout the history of the church. There was the Old Testament uh, <clears throat> age where the people who knew God, the maker and creator of all things, the one true and living God, the great I am, uh, they lived under an old covenant that really was a teaching tool to people. You, we had to learn about God all over again because God is light. And because of the fall of man, we were abiding in darkness. And so God had to give us small doses of himself, reintroducing himself uh, to humanity, reintroducing himself to mankind. And so he decided to uh, form a covenant. And what a covenant does, it sets aside a person and their descendants for relationship with God. And so we know that that person was Abraham that came with a formal covenant that we know. Now, God had had individual covenants with people and their families. The covenant that he had with Noah before the flood allowed Noah and his family to survive. That was eight people in the on the face of the earth that were spared. And they started the rest of the human race. God had a covenant whereby he promised he would not destroy the earth by flood again. And sometimes when people uh, survive certain things, you have to give them the assurance that that that's not your normal way of dealing with people. You got me? Because they saw all of humanity uh, erased from the face of the earth except for themselves. And so that can put a fear of God in you, but also it can be an abnormal fear of God if God doesn't covenant with you to make sure that what he leaves, the impression he leaves with you is one of reverence and respect and not a fear of judgment forever. And so the rainbow really is God's promise of of giving us freedom from the fear of judgment from the one true and living God. So then he begins to reveal himself as a God of love. And so God is a God who always works by revelation. He has to show people individually who he is because we have to make our individual decisions about him. Are we going to love him and follow him or are we going to reject him and go our own way? And so that entitles us to have relationship with God where he reveals himself to us. It's not like everybody knows everything about God all at the same time. Even though his power is evident, his presence is evident, there's truth about him in his word. There's all kinds of evidence of truth of the existence of God, but not everybody avails themselves of it. So you have all different kinds of understanding of who God is, depending upon the people that you talk to. Once you get over into the world of religion, there's even more controversy about who God is. Many pagan type religions or religions we we talk about other than Judeo-Christian revelation of God, uh, they tend to see God as an angry God that they are trying to appease. That means they have salvation by works. We have salvation by faith. Amen. So that's why you see so much extreme out of people. Because they think if they go to the extreme and what they're willing to do for their God, he will 
favorably look upon them and that'll add something to their life. Amen. Uh, the, uh, uh Muslim, uh, uh, person that wants to destroy his own life as a martyr for Allah feels that there's some reward for him over on the other side and all that kind of stuff. And so, <clears throat> It's amazing that our God is the one who gave his life for us. So you don't have to forfeit your life. Amen. Your physical life, you can forfeit the sin part of your life and live for him and live the rest of your days out on this earth in prosperity and pleasure, according to the word of God. So who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? And so God's job then is to reveal the truth about himself to all humanity, every single individual person. God wants to touch them personally with a revelation of himself. So that's one of the most powerful prayers that you can pray for anybody. Amen. And it's found in the first chapter of Ephesians. If you'll turn there, you'll see the Ephesians, what we used to call the Ephesians 1 prayer. Then there's an Ephesians 3 prayer. And I don't know how many bookmarks and how many copies of this have been made over the years, but it is an apostolic prayer and it is applicable to the whole church. There are times, though, when God is more mindful of revealing himself to people. And I believe it's because people expect these things. I think it's just as simple as praying and expecting God to respond to those prayers. So that's why when God gives you a prayer and gives you a watch over prayer, you are consistent with it. See, what God will reward people, you look at, anytime you look at uh, God's reward system, it just seems that he tends to elevate and reward faithfulness more than any other I mean, more than love, power, all of those things. He wants people to be faithful and consistent in their service to him, in their dedication to him, uh, all of those things. He is looking for faithful people. Now, what does that mean, faithful? That That just means that you're not looking at circumstances. You're not looking at feelings. You're not looking at anything. You're just looking at what has God told me to do. And being determined to do it. What has God told me to do with respect to ministering to people, sharing Christ with people, sharing my goods with people, doing what he has called me to do as far as individual ministry? How about my prayer life? What does he call me to do there? And he rewards faithfulness. Faithful people, and this is a, this is your little catch 22 here. If you're already feel like you're stretched to your limit with what you got to do for God. See, you'll, you'll be less faithful than the person who does his assignment with joy. Now, why is that? Because if you look at the passage of scripture where God talks about the person that was faithful in little And God gave him much. At the end of that passage, God gives him more to do for him. So reluctant people know that inside of them somewhere. Labor unions put quotas on the amount of work 
in their contracts. They put quotas on the amount of work they expect the workers to do. So what that means is in a given eight-hour period of time, you're expected to produce X number of pieces or parts or something like that. Suppose you're a fast worker and you enjoy your work. Then you'll get a guy that comes by and tells you, you better slow down. You're spoiling it for everybody else. Because they find out that somebody can do this much work on this job and they'll increase the quota and make it hard on everybody else. So all I'm saying is diligence, excellence, faithfulness are hard qualities to maintain and hold on to because there's an atmosphere that's against you to do it. There's also uh, an atmosphere that is against you because you understand that if you ever get excellent in God, he will reward you with more work. And if in your heart you really don't want more work, that's going to slow you down from being diligent, excellent, and faithful. See, when you're faithful to God, you got to brace yourself. Not for, I'm going to get this done and then I go do what I want to do. But you're going to have to brace yourself for, I'm going to get this done and I don't know what he's going to do next. Well, kids do it in the house all the time. You tell your kids, you tell two of your kids, y'all, y'all get this room cleaned up. And they dare each other to move first. And then the mother comes back an hour later and the room's not done and nobody's moved, huh? Because the first one to move is going, all hell is going to break loose on him. Well, look at you. Now, you always jumping up doing what mama tell you to do first. Well, I ain't going to do nothing. So there's something in the human soul and flesh that hates work, diligence, excellence, faithfulness. That's where there's a high reward for it. Because God knows people. And he knows the devil. And he knows that people don't like to stand out. Huh? Remember the kids, the smart kids in class? Here they come. They think they better than everybody. (laughs) Huh? Excellence is always persecuted. (laughs) By mediocrity. And mediocrity tends to win out. Why? Because the flesh has such a strong pull on most people. See, devils will gang up to crowd around people who are moving forward just so they can retard them and hinder them because they think to themselves. And see, the other thing about, I don't care if you're a saint, sinner, whoever, once you tap into faithfulness, diligence, excellence, those kind of spiritual forces, you're going to bump into God. See, at some point, you're going to find a person who's motivating you to do all these things. And the devil knows that. He'll do anything to block your pathway to get to God. That's his job. The Bible says, see a man diligent in his business, he will stand before kings. In other words, you'll get to the highest places in life and not before evil and mean men. You don't like your boss? Be diligent in your business. 
Your boss don't treat you right, do an even better job. And do it from your heart. Don't do it. To, I'm going to show him. He can't push me around. Huh? The devil hates the things that speak of the spirit of God. That speak of his hand on your life. That speak of the things that God honors and God uh, 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 allows us to tap into. When you start tapping into the desire to do a better job at anything, you're bumping into God. So that's a revelation of God in itself that your your soul awoken or awakened to wanting to do a better job at something. And I just want to do the bare minimum all the time. You get into trouble wanting to do a job well. Here's Will. The general atmosphere does not support it. The enemy's always looking for loopholes. So that you don't have to do and have to do and have to, you know, have to do this. <laughs> you know, I, that even has a little nasty ring to it sometimes. Want you to always cut corners, do less, huh? Barely, halfway. Why? Because that's one of the avenues that God grabs us. Puts us into so we can be excellent. When I was a nurse, I used to labor under the, uh, you know, nurses. We all have different pedigrees, background, schooling, all this kind of stuff, you know. Some nurses had more education than others, you know. If you had a degree, a bachelor's degree, you had a master's. Some had no degree, hospital training, blah, 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 blah. And there was always this sniping about who was a better nurse. Well, you think you're better because you have a degree, but I have all the experience. I said, well, you know, I'm getting mine, but I'm getting paid for it now. Leave me alone, you know. And and so many times if there was something, if there was a problem, people would get good and quiet and wait for to speak up. You understand what I'm saying? I got into the biggest controversy I worked in psychiatry and we had a patient who was on insulin, young teenage girl. Plus she was mentally ill and she would sneak extra insulin and overdose herself. And it, it, she had a good time. She let, let, let you find her in a coma with her eyes rolling back in the back of her head. You understand? She's a problem. And every time she would overdose, they want to give her her normal dose of insulin again. And I'd say, no, hold it. And they got, well, I'm going to give it. Well, you're not going to give it? No, ma'am, I'm not. Then they got scared. They walked around trying to find somebody to give it anyway. When they didn't find anybody to give it, then they called the doctor. And the doctor said, you can't give her insulin on top of all she's had. What is wrong with you? Huh? So that marked me as the know-it-all biatch. You mean I got to get stupid like you and kill somebody before I'm accepted here? Huh? Yeah, right. See, 
this happens in the, the workplace. I don't care where you are. Huh? And if you're in a system that promotes incompetence, it's even more frustrating for competent people. Huh? You know, like the federal government. If you don't have a number. You GS this, GS that, and every year it goes up and nobody ever stops you. crawling with incompetent people yeah (laughs) it's shameful when the president has to sign a bill so that veterans instead of waiting for care in in an incompetent system they can go someplace else and get medical treatment and the government will pay for it they just now got the right to fire people in the government hospital system am i right miss pat Uh uh-huh (laughs) saying that to say this incompetence is more prevalent more expected more comfortable for everybody incompetence is very comfortable for everybody when you get competent and you get faithful and you get diligent you got hell to pay just to move up a little bit just to have sanity just to be able to go home with your paycheck just to live a peaceful and a normal life, you will have to fight the devil to do it. So that's why God is the God of revelation. God is the one who pulls people out of the mediocre over into the excellent. And he protects you when you're over there. As a sinner, I didn't have God's protection. You understand what I'm saying? I had to get mean with people, act crazy half the time. You know, they get behind your back. Then when you go in the room, and all them backbite devils are still in the atmosphere. Like you don't know what's in center. You know what's going on, that kind of thing. Huh? Well, I refuse to be mediocre. See, even as a sinner, I hated mediocrity. That's part of God calling me over into his camp because you're not going to survive and be normal out there in a world full of sinners and you want to be excellent. See, if there's something in you that's calling you to better, that's God. Don't ever apologize for it. Don't ever feel bad for it. Don't let them call you names and think, she thinks she better than everybody. I know I'm better than that. That what you doing and you call it wonderful? No, 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 no. We ain't going there. See? And you stand your ground. I don't care what you have to do to stand it. Because God will come for you and help you and rescue you. And through his fellowship, you have the fellowship now of the excellent one. And you could really care less what people and demons and anybody else think about you. Huh? Because you're doing it as unto the Lord. You're not doing it for people. You never were doing it for people. But you finally found somebody who appreciates that about you. Mediocrity gets to be demonic after a while. Because there's no depths too low that the devil want, can, cannot take a person if they'll follow him. He likes it when he wins the, the, uh, crab in the barrel contest. Everybody's crabs try to one finally crawls up and gets his head up there and the other one's yanking back down again. Huh? 
If you ever get to the top of the barrel, jump out and stay out. Huh? Don't turn around and look back and see who else is left in there. You can help them out. You keep running. So Paul has a vision for the church, and it's explained here in the first chapter of Ephesians. As an apostle, he is an overseer of God's sheep, and he reveals the heart of God through his foundation-laying ministries, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Apostolic vision for the church is revealed in this prayer. This is something the writer wants to impart to all saints. This is not a selective blessing. It is apostolic and therefore covers the whole body of Christ. Amen. If it's already prayed for us, and it is, it must be attainable for all of us. So we must receive by faith all that this prayer provides. Amen. So in Ephesians 1, starting in verse 17, I think it is. Verse 16, he says, I cease not to give thanks for you. Amen. Making mention of you in my prayers. When I started with uh, uh, charismatic teaching and, and being around in meetings where there was, they would always give thanks for whatever. And I thought that was a good intro to every prayer. Amen. Father, we get, we thank you for. Amen. And because that is apostolic, you see, that blessing of thanksgiving covers, if you let that cover every situation, every person that you pray for, then you have a guarantee through God of increase. You have a guarantee to be heard. You have a guarantee to uh, have that outcome, a godly outcome. Just that giving of thanks for those people you pray for, the the situations that you want to pray into for the outcome, all of that. If you could approach God with thanksgiving, your chances of getting a good outcome to your prayer are greatly increased. You would see that with Paul, even when he had to correct the church, he always gave thanks to God for them. You don't thank God because of what you think about people. You thank God for who they are. They are blood-bought people. Be thankful. I, I wish we had more true Christians, you know, more people who lived the Christian way. Pray for the rest of it, but, you know, it's it's always good to have company of the saints. So <clears throat> he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, what does that mean? He's the Father of all goodness. He's the Father of all mercy. He's the Father of all, in other words, There are other gods out here, but you give thanks for the God of all glory. Huh? Because all glory, anything good in this earth belongs to him. Anything good in heaven belongs to him. So you want to tap into the one who is responsible for all goodness because you want to see goodness come out of what you're praying for. You know, we should never go to God in fear of what he's going to do. He took that out by shedding his blood. If shedding, if dying for you don't prove nothing to you, come on now. 
Sometimes you just need to take a time out and think about. You know, Mel Gibson said he was healed. He he said that that the reason he made that movie, The Passion of the Christ, he said, I couldn't get it off my mind how much Jesus did for us on the cross. He said one day he said he was depressed. He, You know his history. He was a messed up character for many years, depressed, suicidal. He said, and I began to focus on, and he's Catholic, I began to focus on what, how much Jesus suffered for me. He said, and after some time of meditating on that, he said, the depression lifted. Everything lifted. You, that's a revelation of God. You can't come into contact with God. Now, the shame of it is that, that uh, many times Catholic people don't read their Bibles. Some do, some don't. But we're not going to argue doctrine. If that man has a revelation of God makes a movie, uh, I'm going to go see it. Huh? And I'm going to praise God for it. And I'm going to thank God for him and pray that God shows him the way to salvation. You understand what I'm saying? When people have a contact with God or a revelation of God or a touch of God, that needs to be respected. It needs to be edified. It needs to be encouraged. Because we can always get more understanding, more knowledge, more everything about God. Amen. If we'll open ourselves up to receive it. He's not done with any of us yet. You understand me? There's so much more to know about God. You know, many times people, well, you know, I mean, uh, they're bored. Don't, don't want to go to church. Don't want to do anything in the church anymore. Huh? Well, you just need a new revelation of God. You need something fresh to come into your life. Amen. You know, married people take care of themselves better than each other, better than that. Huh? Usually if you're married to somebody and you start looking funny. Poppy. Huh? (laughs) That's the amen quarter. Huh? They go to looking funny on you. You know, usually if it's an attentive spouse, They'll do something kind toward them. You understand? That's how you care for one another. You don't look at them and say, what you mad about? Mm-hmm. So when we start drifting, we need another touch. Huh? Listen, I'm going to go across the street and preach at the Y. I ain't thinking about y'all this morning. Huh? I don't even know who over there. Who over at the Y? Why? <laughs> it's a good thing CCA sitting up in here. I was spared something. But you care for one another. The sad thing is when we out of sorts with God, we think he's mad at us. Because we deserve it. You treat people foul, what do you think they? Most people will treat you back. But God longs to pull yourself toward him. He knows what, what will help you is his love. Is a revelation of how much he cares about you. A revelation of what 
the blood paid for for you. A revelation of what you need your next step in him needs to be. Amen. Some people it takes them years to get to the next step. Some people never get there. They just languish in religion, feeling out of sorts, being around the saints, trying to pretend everything's okay. Huh? Instead of getting hard down honest before God and say, God, I don't feel right about this, that, or the other. I need something from you. See, don't fall out with God. You fall out with anybody you want to fall out with, but he's your best friend. Huh? And don't measure God against people. He's in a totally different category, baby. He'll show you he's 100% in a category by himself. So he says here, he says that, that, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the God of all, all glory would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Well, don't we have that already? I pray in tongues. I'm born again. I got the Holy Ghost. The spirit of wisdom may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, this is a Holy Ghost inspired prayer because it's included in the Bible. If you had that already, why would Paul pray for God to give it to somebody and give it to the whole church? Apparently, because there was evidence they didn't have it. Pastor Shirley prayed with me and I prayed in tongues and yung, 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 yung. you got a seed. See, our problem is we get a seed and it blows our mind and we run off acting like we get the whole thing. And all of a sudden church is real boring. So I got the whole thing. The, the issue or the, the, what happens when we get anything from God, especially a spiritual impartation, is that there is a sensation in your, in your physical man that completes you. That's his calling card. That's how you know God did it. Because you have a sensation of completeness. But he just completed that portion of what he wanted to impart to you. And that's what gives us the impression we got the whole thing. That's why some people can get one word of knowledge from God and it blesses somebody and they call themselves a prophet. Oh, Barb, don't say that. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep your drawers on. Huh? And some of y'all let them prophesy to you. (laughs) They don't even stay in the spirit of God long enough to learn spiritual protocol. 
Because most people that get prophesied to illegally get approached by that person to give them a word. That's number one indicator, huh, that it's out of order. I don't go up to people and say, can I get you? <laughs> huh? Now, when you're new at it, you make those mistakes. I'm not saying I haven't, but I learned real quick. You don't go up to nobody telling them God, you, God told you something for them. They get the police called on you. They get you locked up. They get you kicked out of something. Huh? So protocol tells you to go back to God and find out how to administer this gift that's in you if he put it in you so that you can be a blessing to whomever, his people, whatever. It's amazing. We'll pull for a word when we're among the saints. And when we go uh, past them homeless people we see every Sunday on the way to church, we we ain't got no word for them and ain't trying to get one. But see, if we pray for the spirit of wisdom and re- wisdom and revelation, you need some smarts to go with your gifty gifty, you know, your wonderfulness. So Paul is wanting the people that he's praying for to stay humble until they get enough from God to not only do you have to know how to pick a gun up and load it, but you got to know how not to shoot yourself with it and not to let it go off, you know, unintentionally wounding people. Miriam Hellman gives a testimony about the woman. She knew this woman as a very godly woman. She had a, a very uh, 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 wealthy business. She was a businesswoman. And her joy was to give to different ministries that God put on her heart to give to. She was at a meeting and somebody gave her a prophecy that told her that she was really called as a pastor. And that God wanted her to start a church and it had to grow to a certain size in a certain amount of time. And if it didn't grow, she would die a horrible death. She went out, started a church. It never grew. And in that period of time, she died a horrible death. How can God let that happen to people? How can you let that happen to you? You understand what I'm saying? The Bible tells us to test the spirits. Never told her. And she was around accurate prophets all the time. And see, this is a problem with gifts. I don't care what kind of gift it is. Somebody wants it because the Bible gives us permission to covet them. But covet them before God. So that you can do good to help people with them. Not so you can get all the attention in the world. We don't compete against. See, wisdom and revelation will tell you don't compete against one another. God's got enough for everybody. What's for you has got your name on it before you even get here. And there's plenty of it. You're not lacking in anything. So wisdom will help you to know those things and revelation will help you to maintain a proper relationship with God. God starts showing you things. He starts revealing things to you. If you pay attention. Spirit of wisdom and revelation is also 
a spirit that makes you pay attention to the right things. Huh? It's a spiritual force that's imparted by the spirit of God. And it helps you to be attentive to what's important between you and God and to not be so attentive to other things. So you find yourself craving more to get in your word, craving more to pray. You know why? Because that same spirit of completeness that you had when that was imparted to you has now expanded your spirit to crave more. So you got to feed it. And you got to feed it the right things. And you got to feed it regularly. Because as long as you feed that, it will grow. And you will receive and be everything God wants you to be. But once you get distracted and start thinking about other things, you lose the edge. You lose that hungry edge. It's good to be hungry for the things of God. It doesn't come just by itself. God has to feed that hunger some and then starve it some. Amen. So there may be times when you'll have to fight for things that were, you know, like a confession away. Huh? Remember those days you fall off something and think you broke your leg and you start confessing the word and get up and walk off. Now it's like, huh? I'm still confessing and it ain't done yet. I still got this. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, that's just God pulling away the food. He wants you farther out there where he is. Huh? And we don't like it. Mm-hmm. So we think we're going to get fed someplace else. And he closes that door. X. I remember when I was recovering, trying to get my mental health back. I heard that. Somebody says, over here. <laughs> you ain't got it yet. Eh, naysayers. <laughs> Detractors. <laughs> I can remember thinking so many times, oh, good, I can stop taking these pills. Huh? Then one day I just made up my mind, I don't care if I take these forever. You know, the doctor would threaten me. He said, well... I don't know if I can continue to write you this prescription. It's not doing you any good. You know, the devil tried everything to get me to quit. See, you can get halfway well and fool a lot of people. You understand what I'm saying? But in your heart, you know what healed is. And I knew I wasn't there. And I wanted to be there. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be there. But I also knew I couldn't get myself there. God had to do it. And I had to trust him. A lot of our struggles is more about trusting God than about God not wanting us to have the why did I do wrong, God? And God goes like really? You want me to answer? <laughs> Good thing he doesn't remember him anymore after we confess him, amen. We know if we've done something wrong, because we the confessing his people. Huh? 
I'm, I kidnapped the Lindbergh baby. I, I am Hitler. I am, you know, Stalin. Uh, we confess everything. So it ain't about that. It's about a deeper something. Your sins are real small to God. In fact, they're non-existent if you'll confess them. You got me? They just big to you. So he says, what grant unto us the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is applied knowledge, knowing how you got the right answer, but you got to know how to put it together. You got to know who to dispense it to and when. You have to know how to minister things to people so that they, they get the outcome of God on them. So you got to stay the wisdom and revelation opens the door to the gifts of the spirit. Word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, amen, gifts of healing. That's wisdom and revelation will tell you, I don't have it. I need God to supply it to me so that I can help somebody. That's your first wisdom. Anybody who thinks they have all the answers because they went to so-and-so school of prophecy and got a certificate or they completed the chaplain's course and they got this and they got that and Huh? You're lying to yourself. You need minute by minute counsel from God to have the right answer for people. And don't be comfortable having the right answer all the time. Because as surely as you think you have it all the time, God will remove it from you, dry it up, make it not too available to you. Why? Because he's the... Verse 17, father of glory. So he's going to, he births out his own glory if he needs it. He doesn't need us to give him anything. But he will withhold his glory from us if it's going to spoil our witness, if it's going to disturb our walk, if it's going to hinder us in any way, if we're going to, if we're going to get in trouble with him by take, trying to take it from him. He says this, how does that manifest itself? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Enlightened for what? That you will know the hope of your calling. Or you will walk in the the way that God has called you to walk. A calling narrows your possibilities tremendously in life. That's why people don't like responding to the call of God. You know, my dad was one of those people. He would sit around and after he drank too much and tell us about, yeah, and the, and the Baptist preacher, and he'd go to cry, and I said, oh, boy, here comes an all-nighter. I wish you'd just play whist all night. Now you want to cry talk about the Baptist preacher. And he said, he sang just a little walk with Jesus. So you had to listen to just a little walk with Jesus or whatever. But, huh? <laughs> I go off into a little bit of sugar, make some medicine. Go. That's bad, ain't it? But I had to say that in my mind so he didn't get in my head with that. But, but he said, and I told the Lord, just don't call me to preach. And I thought, well, that's how we got it. You understand what I'm saying? God will have his covenant fulfilled in a bloodline. 
So if one skips, then you got to get two and three out of the next generation. Thank you, Dad. But wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened to know the hope of your calling. Number one, you have to accept who God says you are. That's your calling. You can no more not be who God called you to be. It's like my father had no peace all his life. Was a drinker, disappointed his wife and his children for years. Why? Running away from God. And see, I share that with people when God leads me to share it, but most people hearing it don't believe it applies to them. And I'm not standing here talking for nothing. That's how y'all want me to go to the Y for real and preach. But you can't walk away from who you are. Just like if, if, if I call, uh, if I call Chuck, there's something in her that comes to life and responds or it goes, Oh boy, Pastor Bob called me again. He won't. Oh man, let me get out of here. I'm gone. I'm home. I'm gone. Uh huh. But there's a response in you. When God calls you, there's a response in you when you know that that rings a bell in you some kind of way. And many people never get chosen to step into the hope of their calling. The Bible says few. Just let me give you a little bit of wisdom, just a teeny bit. Wisdom tells me to tell you to respond as quickly as he calls you. Just like your mama calling you to dinner. Because that is your ticket to everything that you need in this life. Is responding to the call. Even if you don't know what you're responding to, and most people don't. Henry Groover asked God... To let him, well, he had relationship with God since he was a young boy. And he asked God to, he said, I was in Sunday school. I was about seven years old. And the Sunday school teacher looked at me and said, God's going to call you. God's called you to ministry. You're going to have 13 children. You're going to go all over the world for God and get ready for it. And he told God, I don't want to. But he made a deal with God. God was open to a deal. And he told God, he said, I'll do, I will, I have something in my mind that I want to do with my life. Can you give me some time to do that? And so he was an engineer. He wanted to do engineering and he was excellent at it. One sign of God is that he will not diminish you in your abilities Outside of the call just to teach you a lesson, you can't do that to him. He'll pour out his best for you. He'll make you excellent in everything that you do. That's why sometimes it's harder to step away from a call after you've walked in some success in it in the natural than it would be for you when you don't have nothing and ain't nobody to jump up and say, here I am, send me. 
Because it's going to be harder to let go of success, material things, all of that, unless God will do a work in you and wrestle with you and cause you to see revelation, give you a new revelation of who you are. That's why it's so hard to get people who already have some things accomplished. Huh? All gifts come from God. If you're doing well, then what you, what's inside of you, it's God given and God's permitting it. But if he's called you to the hope of your calling, you're going to get to knock on the door of your heart one day. And Henry was about to sign a contract, he said, for a million dollar salary. He had a house with seven bedrooms, ten bedrooms or something, five bathrooms, big enough for 13 children. So he did compromise with God on that. He said he only wanted two. (laughs) But God gave him 13 instead. And then he set him about walking physically over 50, every street in 54 nations around the world. He's a prayer walker. Taking over the land for God. Everywhere the soles of your feet tread, you possess that. So Henry did that work for God. And he was very diligent about it. He didn't, after that, he didn't play. He didn't want any more deals. He didn't want any more compromises. And God graced him to be able to do. He enjoyed what he did for God. God held that up as an excellent work before him. But he did walk in the hope of his calling. My advice is get, get to getting as soon as you know. Amen. And ask God, what is the next step for me? Huh? First of all, most people ask, who's going to teach me? Huh? Okay, so teaching's here. Your job is to learn. You got me? See, once you stop learning, you cease walking in the hope of your calling. Once you start treating church like traditional church people do, just show up, tap the basket, or if you want to keep your money, don't go to church. And don't give, even though you weren't there. Everybody does it. You know, that's not unusual. So he wants us to walk in the hope of our calling. What does that mean? That means that God has something that he has in mind about who you are, what you do, who you service, where you go. Every single day of your life. Your calling does not take a day off. If it does, I don't know when that is because I've never felt like I wasn't called of God. You understand? You know, you might get stupid and testy and try to fight it for a minute. But once you realize where you're at when you do that kind of stuff, you feel so lost and forlorn. You'd be like David. I was glad when they said, let me. I was so relieved to know I wasn't kicked out forever. You understand what I'm saying? So you don't want to be out there in no man's land without God, without hope in the world. You need the spirit of wisdom, number one, to solve problems. God's people are problem solvers, not problem creators. You need his wisdom to live in peace among all men. 
You need his wisdom to avoid loss. And you need his wisdom to overcome the ever-present adversary. In Revelation, there is light and no darkness. This spirit is granted to us, not just a little bit here and there, but we are possessors now of this spirit. Once you understand that these things are permanent endowments for you, that you possess the spirit of wisdom and revelation, you can draw from that spirit anytime you need it. So you don't get just get a one-time answer from God and then you got to wonder if he'll help you again. That's darkness. Darkness wonders, revelation knows. And you don't, you're not cocky about it. You're not arrogant about it. You know, some things that, <laughs> that kind of like flow out of us so easily sometimes. Sometimes people don't know how you really struggle to wonder. You know, I mean, your carnal mind will wonder. It's like when we first started doing our own music, prophetic music, and I realized that God needed prophecy and he needed the song of the Lord to enhance. There are certain atmospheres where God can come in and do things that we want him to do. Well, he's got to have that atmosphere prepared. It can't be half hour praise and worship, three fast songs and two slow. And in a holy hush and believe somebody will come up with a word from God. It has to be orchestrated by God. And the, my first thing was I would sweat. Oh God, please let, when we have Brenda here, please let Brenda get it this time. Huh? Cause I, I hated my voice. I, I'm not fond of it now. I know it's not a singing voice. I've accepted that. Cause I'm too loud and I preach too much. Now there's some people who can do both. That ain't me. But I do know that I'm a one appointed to do it because I can hear him. And so I, oh God, please. Not me this time. Put your hand down. You understand? And so, what he would do was split the difference with me. Brenda got half and I got half, but I still had to do it. Remember that? And you could hear the Lord laughing. Huh? He's got a sense of humor. Thank God he laughs at some of this stuff. He ain't mad at us. And so then after that, it was, oh, I know people are expecting me to have something this time. How am I going to get it? Sweating, sweating, sweating. And so it always shows up. I still do that. Every single time we have worship, it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't have nothing. Well, if I don't have nothing, I don't have nothing. Everybody goes home and they're happy. <laughs> Hear that woman scream. Last time, I think I almost hit Kelly in the face with the microphone, you know. You know, well, you want to be dignified. I realize this ain't no job for dignified people. That left a long time ago. 
And so, you know, sometimes I'll like, Oh, I should I say this first? What should I do this first? Well, Lord, let me know what. And then all of a sudden it hits me. Ah! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Remember that? Yes. <laughs> now, thank God it only lasts as long as it lasts. Oh. But everybody's got to say yes or we don't go any further. You know, yes, that's what a way I feel on the inside. Yeah, I got to have this. But laboring every single time, not sure. See, that's what we're, what we're stuck with, I guess you could say, is there's always a part of you that's human, that's carnal, that feels unenlightened, that has some darkness there. And I'm like, well, God, if you don't give me anything to say, I'm not going to quit serving you. I mean, you know, it's not. But to you, it feels that. (laughs) Catherine Kuhlman did the same thing. The woman had the best meetings and she was sweating it backstage. Is God going to show up and heal anybody tonight? Yes. So that's why Paul had to pray this, that we would know the hope of our calling. Yes, God's called you to do that. Yes, he's going to show up. If he doesn't show up, you're not fired. That doesn't mean he don't love you. Huh? There's a lot in this prayer because there's a lot that we need, folks. That we might know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. Everybody in here has a gift that contributes to everybody else's well-being. And Paul prayed for that, the reality of that gift to be recognized by each and every one of us in each and every one of us. But you know, when you walk among the saints, the devil will jump on you and say, they don't like you. Look at how they talk to you. That's why he prayed that prayer to keep the devil off of you. You know what, God? I have riches and an inheritance on the inside of me that will help the whole body of Christ. And I am here to get that embellished, strengthened, taught. I'm here to see it revealed. This is a scripture of prayer to help us to know our worth and help us to know one another's worth and to appreciate one another. And what's the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Because he knew he had a lot of fake saints, religious people. He said, Riches goes to those who believe. Greatness of power goes to those who believe. According to his, the working of his might and power, which he wrought in Christ. He worked this in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. You know, that's an indictment against the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Anything that has to do with the resurrection power of Christ is an indictment against them because they're still working under the Old Testament rules. They think that because they can recite Isaiah and all of those things, dead letter of the word, they think that's superior to what Paul has. That's why they put him in jail all the time. 
And so he said, your power goes to those who believe. And it's according to the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So this is not a power that you can get by a historical knowledge of Christ. I know he's a son of God. Well, any demon knows that. Huh? Once you, you make a demon say he's raised from the dead, he's done. So he'll never confess that. He said, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. He lives in us and he lives in heaven. And he's far above all principality and power and might. The exceeding power of his greatness is for believers. You must believe this whole passage of scripture for it to be real to you. If you don't believe that there's riches on the inside of you according to your calling in God. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, what mistake you've made, mistakes you've made, whatever. There is still riches of his glory yet to be revealed in you. Let him go to revealing it. Sometimes it'll be the smallest thing. God will kind of get you into a flow of his power and his might where it, it comes out of you and it blesses many individuals. Sometimes it will be something you don't really think is that important. But that's your total purpose for being in God. And he's pleased with you. He's happy with you. He's glad for people to respond to the call no matter how big or how small it is. You think he likes Joyce Meyer more than he likes me? He don't. You think he appreciates Gloria Copeland more than he does? He don't. You think he appreciates me more than he does you? He don't. You understand what I'm saying? We're just walking in what we hope that God is pleased with in us as we yield ourselves to him. That's all. That's the most you can do. Is stay diligent in yielding yourself to him so you can recognize the hope of your calling. What was exerted to raise him up out of the grave? The apostle wants us to be acquainted with that. In order to acquaint us with it, he must know it himself. So this prayer is also prophetic because it's an impartation prayer. Many people have, have, this is why that prayer has always been so popular. New Testament prayer has always been so popular because people tend to get better. They see better results. They see people of God walking in their calling. They see people get more serious about serving God. They see good results for it. Why? Because it has an anointing on it to impart that reality to people. Whenever it's prayed, whenever it's read, Whenever it's spoken, I remember back in the day, they tell you, pray this for yourself every morning. It'll work. Ascension power is extremely important. You know, the average person is looking for power over their boss, over the husband, the wife, the kids. And that's all witchcraft. Here to tell you. God never told us we had authority over one another or power over one another. 
You have power over demons. Now, if they got devils, that's a different story. Cast them out and keep loving the people. But we don't have, God never told you he was going to change your husband and your wife to suit you. How dare you? And I rebuke you. (laughs) Husband or not, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. God will let me mess up if I was no evil. But see, that's where we, we invest so much time in prayer. And I know I've done it. Lord change so and so. Touch them. He need to touch you. Huh? If he touch you, you realize you ain't God. Thank God we quit playing, praying like that. Amen. <laughs> For those who, of you who are still doing it, oh me. Huh? You know, we all go back to our old haunts. Somebody don't like us as much as we think they should. Cause we're all wonderful. They don't appreciate my deliciousness. <laughs> we all delicious in our own eyes. Come on now. We don't deserve. Uh, huh? <laughs> but you ain't allowed no witchcraft in this kingdom. What you are allowed is to love them and serve them and esteem them more highly than yourself. So this helps us all get on the right page. That's wisdom. When you leave that place of wanting everybody else to be what you want them to be, that's wisdom. That's the fear of the Lord right there. He set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Your power comes from heaven, not from down here. You're not worried about what people do to you down here in this life. You got bigger fish to fry. Huh? What do you care if they don't respect you? Huh? You can sit up there with Christ and look down at the whole world. And know what you have authority over. Yet you're worried about what somebody who's retarded. They ain't got as much sense as you do if they trying to malign you and dislike you and you belong to God. You got God's markings all over you and they crazy enough to dislike you. And you're worried about it. Get a grip on yourself. You're sitting up there in in God's lap looking down at the whole earth and able to move this demon out of this place and that demon out of that place and you're worried about what your boss thinks about you. And for all of you people who think somebody's using you, they are. But God's using you. Huh? That's the first thing. The minute you get out of your comfort zone doing something, that's the first thing the devil will put at you. What are they using you? Huh? No devil. I'm investing in God. He told me to serve wherever I am. God put me here. I'm going to serve right here where I am. 
And I'll get my reward from God. I don't need my reward from anybody else. You don't need your boss's love or approval or co-workers or <laughs> demons in the bathroom. I don't know what y'all got at your jobs. But... You ever notice the bathroom never empty? Always somebody up in there. Well, just a thought. I haven't worked in many years, so what do I know? Maybe they are cleared out by now. But you're far above. Where above? Far above. That means they don't touch you. That means they can't touch you. That means they have no power over you. Now, if you're still worried about people, you didn't hear what I said for the last 10 minutes or so. But people are not your problem. Your problem is something without skin on it. And it's working through something with skin on it to keep you all wound up. Huh? Keep you entertained. Above all principality, power, might, dominion, and name. word I did too but you know I was just kidding. I was messing with you I know you're that sensitive about it huh well he's a racist that word's back in the picture again thought we buried that demon huh now he's getting attention huh Let me think now. What can somebody who doesn't like me because of my skin color now let me let you in on a secret. You're not who you look like. This right here, this is just a tent. You live in temporarily. Now, if you pray and you treat it right, you might live in it for a 100 years, 80, something like that. But when you leave here, this thing that we make such a big deal out of it, it's going to stay here. And then the real you goes up. But yet you're going to let that wreck your whole day. Some people's change color on them in their lifetime. There's illnesses that will bleach your skin out, turn it dark, all kinds of stuff. God's just showing people, listen, don't get hung up about that. That's just your temporary tent that he chose to house your body in. People who are, some Jews think Jesus is just for them. No. They think the Messiah is just for them. No. Just because he came looking like y'all folks, he my Lord and my Savior. I took him when he offered himself to me. He don't just belong to you. 
Well, he looks Hebrew. I don't care what he looked like. He's my savior. He looked like me, as a matter of fact. I'm a little heeb myself sometimes. Huh? <laughs> you sit above all principality and power and name. You have authority over names that are hurled at you. You don't have to be what people call you. Do you understand me? You don't even have to be what you call yourself. You need to find out what God calls you and be that. That's all he's looking for us to be. But yet we'll get all worked up, nervous. I want to follow a lawsuit. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. You got the money, you got the time, help yourself. Me, myself, I'm looking at down at that because I'm seated in heavenly places far above the name. They're calling me under my feet and it don't even touch me. Huh? N-word, that ain't me. I'm a Christian. Listen. I, that name is under my feet and so are you if you're crazy enough to call me that. Now you waste your time calling people names if you want to. But I'm telling you it's to no avail. There are people that don't have spiritual authority over names and can ride above them. It's kind of like the lowest form of accusation. It's called you something other than what you are. You got to get used to it, Christians. If you're not used to it, get used to it. And get used to riding above all powers of darkness. We have the power of ascension as well as resurrection. So we ascend above the authority of principalities and powers. Rulers of darkness. I was praying. I was asking the Lord. I said, what is it about President Trump? I said, these people act crazy. They act demonized. It's like a trigger and God said, my mark is on him. He said, they act the same way towards you. He says, only you haven't seen it yet. He says, so I start at the top and work down. He said, Christians get ready to fight back. Because the devil is pulling every punch that he can to dislodge you from your appointed place. He said, that principality that ruled over Washington, D.C., I pulled that down. He said, remember the devil who lost his first estate and he tried to get back in there again? He said, that's all that's happening. He said, they've been dislodged. They got nowhere to go. When the devil is cast out, he goes into dry places looking for a place to get back into. They're screaming in hell trying to get back to rule this country so they can take all the borders down. Now, I've heard different variations of this story, but the story is to take all the borders down and use the Muslims as their military force to enforce the one world government. Now, we notice one world government is a threat. It always has been. Caesar was the last world one world government. Well, Hitler tried it again. So it's always been tried. The Tower of Babel was the end of the first one world government. That's what allowed them demons to ascend up into the second heaven. But they didn't get into the place of God and never will. See, as long as you stay on God's side, you're safe. 
you go dibbling and dabbling over into the names, principalities and powers and try to figure out what they mean and who's after you and who's against you and who not for you and who trying to mess you up. And you stay on the low level of fighting. I said low level of fighting. Elevate yourself. That you would get the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened to know that you're seated in heavenly places far above all principality and power and names that the devil can call you. Don't fall victim to the devil's tricks. That's all it is, is a trick of the enemy. It's like this. You know, I, I think sometimes it's because of my age in the Lord. My girl Patty from the block was on the edge of her seat. Oh, she going to tell it now. She ain't telling nothing. That's the spirit of wisdom and revelation working. <laughs> but I've seen this so many times. And it amazes me how Christians go for it over and over and over and over. When will we learn? My prayer is that you would receive this. Come out of carnal thinking. Know who you are. Walk in the hope of your calling. Know what an asset you are to God's kingdom. Don't let the devil take you out of commission by feeling frustrated. Don't let him stall and stymie your gift. The devil start attacking you, telling you you're not this, you're not that. People using you, they should be paying you more. They should be doing this for you and doing that for you. All of the above. You tell him, you know what, devil? I know who I am. I know my worth. I'm not looking for man to prove to me what I'm worth. I'm worth, I'm, I'm a treasure whether I'm making a lot of money or little money, whether I'm respected or spit on at my job. Huh? See, some of you are too young to remember. I remember the kids that, the first kids that went to, uh, that integrated a high school in Little Rock, Arkansas, where your boy Bill Clinton is from. Yeah, that place. The, the, when they, she got in the schoolroom, the girl said, my, my blouse was wet. I had to take it off because people had spit on me. White kids spit on her because she was black. And see, y'all talk about racism. You got a good job. Huh? You making good money. Nobody's looking for you to tell you, you can't do this and can't take, do that. Huh? That came from God. Whatever you got that elevates you came from God. Amen. Be thankful and rejoice. Amen. Praise God. Father, I thank you for what you have given us. Thank you, Lord. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of you, we don't have to know the devil or his works. Just take authority over him and keep it moving. You have to know any of that stuff. But, Lord, that is we abide in you and we stand in all power. We have everything that we could ever hope to have. And we honor you and we love you for it. For it is truly given 
In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord. He's worthy.